So good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Global Math Department. My name is Lee Natero, and I will be your host tonight. Tonight, we're going to be hearing from David Henson about demystifying math with numberless word problems. Would everyone please introduce themselves in the chat, telling us what you teach, where you teach, and what your Twitter handle is, if you have one. Give everybody a moment to do that. So I'm glad to see so many people here tonight. So many familiar names, unfortunately, not familiar faces, but maybe someday we can all be together in person, who knows? Uh, before I introduce our speaker, let me explain how these meetings work. These meetings are recorded and are available within 24 hours after the meeting ends. To view the recording, you would use the same link you used to get here tonight. The Global Math Department community prides itself on being friendly and supportive. The chat room is available for topical and general conversation throughout the meeting. I'll catch your questions for the presenter, so don't worry that the presenter won't notice your questions in the chatter. Tonight, our speaker is David Henson. David, David is a grades 6 through 12 instructional content coach. He has coached high school math and middle school math like a contact sport. By emphasizing activities in math, he has leveraged students' natural curiosity into engaging ideas. From falling teddy bears to Minecraft zombie apocalypses, he has built inquiry-based activities designed to keep rigor high through engagement. He has been in education for 27 years, 20 in the classroom, and seven as an instructional coach. He has a Master of Education in K-12 Mathematics Curriculum Instruction from University of Texas at Arlington. He currently works in, as an educational consultant for Education Service Center Region 11 in Texas. He lives in Arlington, Texas with his wife and children. And now I'm going to turn the presentation over to David. Welcome, everyone, wherever you may be from. Uh, I'm, I won't lie that... Uh, I didn't realize that global really meant globe. Uh, uh, welcome. I'm hoping today that my basic goal is that you can find one good thing that you can use to help kiddos. So um, everything we have is is definitely available to you. So by all means, uh, let's go. In the chat on the sticky is a link. Uh, the bit.ly is to the presentation folder. It's uh, to this presentation as a Google slide, and then also a, a Google document that's a list of links that you can access all the activities that we do, um, any other uh, site sources that we cite that you can have access to. It's just an easy one-pager. Actually, it's two, but um, it'll help you just find stuff later, and you're more than welcome to it. Um, there's a good chance that I probably borrowed it from somebody else, and in true education form, I'm going to loan it to you. Um, today is we are going through numberless word problems. Uh, this is a part of our demystifying uh, word problem series, and uh, we kind of latched onto it, and we've had a lot of fun uh, sharing it with our uh, districts in Region 11, and we hope that you enjoy it as well. Um, 
Mine, as uh, she mentioned, uh, this is me. Uh, I work in White Settlement, Texas, which is a suburb just outside of Fort Worth. Uh, we, uh, my email is there. My Twitter handle is at Minecraft Math. And uh, the website that you can find most of this stuff is at our Region 11 site, uh, esc11.net math. Um, again, uh, you're welcome to log on, find it. I will say this, if you are in outside of Texas, uh, remember that our stuff has, has, um, is linked to Texas standards, which is basically math of a different, you know, with different names. So what, so something that may be registered as a seventh grade standard where you're at, maybe a sixth or an eighth grade, just depends on the, um, the change. But math is math is math. Today, we're going to talk about what are, where are the numbers at? Uh, we're going to talk about what numberless word problems are. And then my last thing, say asynchronous one more time. Uh, we have all pivoted um, into this wonderful year that we just are finishing up now. And uh, we learned a lot and we're going to have to make some, we're probably going to have to keep coming back to those skills over the next year or so, um, hopefully. Knock on wood, um, we won't need them, but it's nice to have them when we're ready. So let's go ahead and get fo move forward. I have a question for you in the chat. I want you to um, answer this question. Look at this question that we had on our state assessment for eighth graders. And I want you to think, what could a student go wrong with on this question? So just go ahead and type in your um, what you think would be a struggle for a student in your class. Mm -hmm. Number of gallons for one load instead of 10. What does varies directly mean? Um, that is a crazy thing for, you think, an eighth grader, um, you know, because they speak varies directly all the time. Um, what's a dishwasher? Uh, very, um, in, a, in different um, cultures that, in different areas, that, that means different things. Uh, so there's a lot of things that can go wrong with the word problem. Some of them are scenario-based, like the dishwasher statement. Some of them are numbers-based, where they, they see numbers, but they, they don't really understand all the operators. So I don't know about you, but in, in Texas, we have some kiddos that, you know, when they see a word problem, they'll just shut down on us. So uh, what I would like for you to do is I want to go back to Desmos and I'm going to see how you guys process this exact question, but I did it in a few different steps. Let's see if you can pick up on what I did to you. So I'm going to share my screen and go to the Desmos activity that we were looking at. All right, uh, and this is to the moderator. Can you see my, um, can you see my, in a second? Uh, Not yet. Okay. It's my Mac. Okay, later. 
All right, it's not going to let me share, unfortunately. Um, I can do the screen sharing. Uh, oh, that's not really going to work. Um, the problem is it's a it's the teacher portal. On yeah, I know that. Um, Try this one more time. Share. Other thing is there is the uh, the the. Uh, there you go. Can you see it now? Uh, I can see you, but not. Uh, it says loading. You're sharing the screen. How's that? Screen sharing has been disabled. To open. Oh wait. Okay. It looks like it's working now. There it is. Okay. Okay. So. So if you've not seen uh, Desmos Activity Builder before, this is the actual teacher portal. I'm running the activity that you guys did as students. And I'm going to go ahead and anonymize everybody because not everybody wants to see their names on there, and that's okay with me. Um, I'm more interested in what you said. So let's look at the very first thing. I asked a basic question right off the bat was, where are you at? How are you today? Um, if we look at the overlaid responses of everybody, we see that if I ask the question of uh, how you feel, the original responses on the on the y-axis are necessary and unnecessary for number feeling today, and the x-axis are numberless word problems are easy to teach or oh my god no. So looking at the overlaid responses of everybody, it's kind of a full spread. They are necessary, but we have easy to teach all the way down to oh my god no, let me let me run away. So that is the the basis of where we're at as a group. And if we look at the next one, the next one asks how do kids feel about um the uh word problems? I'm going to go ahead. The, the thing on this one is as you move the, the point left to right, the, the robot's eyes and mouth change. So if I look at the overlay on this one, I see it's a little bit harder to see. The points aren't exactly uh, too dark. But there is nobody over on the happy side. It's all predominantly on the left side over here where uh, we're seeing it. So kids don't really like word problems. We know they're necessary, but we so we're going to have to help them overcome it. So I'm going to do an exercise that we did on on uh, the Desmos activity, and I want you to start telling me what's going on. So right off the bat, I said, read the scenario. Uh, what's going on? Do we have all the information? And what do you still need to know? So if you haven't had a chance to respond on the a Desmos activity, and you want to put your response in the chat, go right ahead. Uh, David, can you share the link to the Desmos activity in the chat, possibly? Um, yes. Um, actually, I'll pick another sticky with it. Give me a half second. So. Copy and go back to a sticky. Paste. Save. Got it. Okay. So, looking at what some of the people have managed to put in already, um, we have uh, how many gallons are used for one load is uh, we still need to know. 
uh, thinking that there's no question there. We it's redacted. Um, interesting note, I didn't know redacted was really a word until all of that political stuff. So now I have a new word to use whenever I do this. It's called redacted. Um, uh, well, it depends on the question of, of what. We need to know what the question is. So, so in this one, it's pretty obvious what I did to you. I eliminated numbers and I eliminated the question. Uh, so moving to the next one, I asked, now I've, I've added a little more information. Um, I give you the question. Uh, what info do you still need? It's not active on the sticky. Yeah, the hyper, it's not a hyper, you have to copy it and paste it in. I'm sorry. So, uh, just, I think if you just copy and paste it, copy the text and paste it into a, um, a URL, it should work. Okay. So, this question is, so now we, we have a little bit more question. We need to find out the water. One second. Um, one second. I, I have dogs barking. For those of you around the world, yes, we still have dogs barking uh, when we're trying to present here too. Sorry. Um, so there's a lots of different things that you um, can look at here, but the basic thing is now we know in the question, and if we go to the third one, now you have all the information and now you can solve the problem. This is essentially what a numberless word problem is. We dial down the mathematics and let the kids approach it strategically systematically holding off that I don't like math feeling for one more slide. So I want to look at what some of our responses are. Have you guys had a chance to look at the um, uh, uh, snapshot features? This one is pretty cool. So I'm going to look at some snapshots here. I'm going to take a picture of this one and I'm going to take this one. I'm gonna take this one too, this one looks amazing. So, all right. And now I'm just gonna look at the snapshots and we're gonna look at the different ways they were solved. All right, so looking at what we have here on the three different ways they were solved, I wanna take a poll real quick, uh, just a, we're gonna say the top left one is one, the top right one is two, and the bottom one is three. Pick the one that you think closely aligned to the way you would solve this problem, this would have solved that problem. Yeah, Bonnie, I, I'll be honest with you. Um, 
I always, in a smaller setting, I always try to find the most disparate examples I possibly can because that way I can get the kids to realize there's more than one way to solve the problem, which is always a bonus. Um, so everybody has a um, your table girl. Good job. Good job, Heidi. Good. Good job. I like tables. I got through calculus on a T-chart. So, so there are different ways to solve it. But I want you to think back when you, if you were that kiddo who isn't successful at math, is firmly convinced math is out to get them, and probably could fairly say they're a math trauma patient. Math has beaten them up. They don't like math. They have people in their lives that tell them that it's okay not to be good at math. When I see this problem, it's not a math problem yet. So I can hold them in to this conversation for just five more minutes until I can get to the next one. So, and then I start asking things like, what's your opinion? What do you think is happening here? What's a question you think you can answer? Um, Joe Bowler has a great series um, on youtube.org when she talks about lower, um, low floor, high ceiling problems where you lower the floor and you raise the ceiling so kids can come in at different angles wherever they're at to be more engaged. Um, honest, truth be told, um, I worked with the extremes. Uh, and, and when I was in the classroom, I worked with the lowest of the low and the highest of the high. So I got, I, I'd go straight from honors kids and I go to the kids that probably would rely on them later on in life. So as far as legal assistance, I mean, I, they had ankle monitors, but the pro, the only real difference between the two wasn't that they weren't able. It was that they didn't think they were able to do math. So when I was able to turn off that disbelief, turn off that suspicion that they couldn't do math, I could get some great things out of them. So, yeah, yeah, yes, uh, math trauma patient. I, it's it's kind of a thing, but you think about it, it's a, it's rude when you have a when you have a trauma patient. The most important thing you can do is stabilize them, and stabilizing in a math student is I have to get them to believe that math isn't out to get them. So, uh, activities like this are my favorite. So, all right, I'm going to go back to the presentation. Um, thank you very much for um, doing the uh, here. Stop share. Go to slides, or does it automatically go to slides? You have to click on slides, but it'll pick up where you left off. Okay, open. All right, there we go. Thank you. So this was the actual test that we had in 2018. Uh, this is the actual uh, percentages of the students and how they performed through the state. So 29% of the students, this is a, uh, what probably would be classified as a proportion problem. 25% um, of the students, 29% uh, didn't get this answer correct. Um, now this was a completion question and when you have a pre predominantly multiple choice test and then they throw in some completion questions the scores the standards uh, scores are generally lower but not this much so that's a that's 29 points for 
pretty close to a straight on proportion question. Uh, when, so what do you think about that activity? Do you, my goal was to get it down so that everybody would engage. How do you, how do you feel? Was it successful in getting to engage? If it is, type a yes. If you're still a little skeptical and you want to see some more, go ahead and say a maybe. So go ahead and put that in the chat right now, please. Gotcha, John. All right. So now time for the sales pitch. All right, here we go. This is the elevator speech. This was the plan that I used when I was building this. Um, I use generally a three-step plan. This, as we're going to see, there are multiple interpretations of uh, numberless word problems. It's not essentially the word problems that's the thing. It's the discussion and asking of questions that, and getting people to share information that kind of really drives home the, uh, the discourse. But this is my basic plan. One, I blocked all the numbers and blocked the questions then. I wanted you just to get the scenario. Two, I revealed the question stem, but I wouldn't show you the numbers. So you had you could see what they were asking, but you didn't have enough information left. And step three, I removed all the redactions and then had the students list the important information and describe a plan. So once and then the last step is solve the problem. Uh, this is not necessarily something I would do for everything. I'm going to put this little caveat right now. Don't do this for every problem. It's you don't have enough time. And unless they unless your class is 7,000 minutes long, then you're probably going to run out of time at some point. Um, but this is a great way to get kids engaged, especially if it's um, kids that tend to be more disenfranchised. Uh, because I, they don't have to be, if they do struggle in math, they're really not struggling in math until deep into the problem. And think about it that way. If I can get somebody deep into a problem, inertia alone will at least get them to try. And once they try, I can find misconceptions. I can find strengths. I can find weaknesses. I can fix the problem. It's when they don't try, I struggle as an educator. So that was my basic plan. Here's what the plan is. Um, in the NCTM standards, we do have several um, princip uh, principles to action, and uh, my former boss used to make me. Um, I'm trying to trying to read under my face here. I apologize. Uh, the effective math uh, mathematics teaching practices. Uh, we had to memorize all of them because she wanted us to incorporate them into all of our sessions and in working with coaching and all that. Uh, Lover to death. Um, one of these days, I, ne I never knew the words. It was EMTP. But I knew things like pose purposeful questions and support to productive struggle. Those were things that were our goals. Um, that is something that I tried to incorporate here. But the main one that I really wanted to do is I wanted to facilitate a math discussion. Uh, get kids to talk. Get kids to make an opinion. Get kids to prove the opinions right or better yet, prove that they need to change their opinion and to do it in a safe environment for them. The second thing that we wanted to focus on here is give a task worth solving. 
uh, so many times we give them like a, an easy task and it's not, there's no reason to go deep and, and to, to ask probing questions. So that was kind of the goal here of picking this one. Uh, and that's what I usually try to do for all of this. Numberless word problems was kind of a, the pioneer M is Brian Bushart. He has a great series and um, I'm not going to, I'm not the guy to read uh, slides to people. I think that's uh, just, yeah. I've had those presentations before and I, I'm not going to do that to you. I'll let you read it yourself. But Brian Bushart um, kind of pioneered it. He uh, started collecting them and get take, kind of pulling everybody together. Uh, we've had the privilege to have Brian um, speak at, um, on our podcast, uh, uh, a Complimentary Angles podcast at Region 11. And he's a great, insightful person. He has a blog post. Um, if you want to go to see... Um, a variety of things that he's done. Um, he's got some more resources plus fraction resources and, and um, math chats. Um, and it's hit my, I won't lie. Mine is probably primarily focused six through 12. He is more K through K through 12. He's got a, a variety of things. So if you're an elementary teacher and this looks interesting, please take a look at this um, blog site. He has Dozens of problems on there that um, that I think you'll find good. Plus, um, other people can contribute as well. Um, my basic, the numberless word problem design is this. Um, and I do it differently than he does because I have an end goal that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, to block or replace all the numbers with vague pronouns. That's usually step one for me. And the reason is I want them to, and then block the questions. I want them on only the situation. Um, early on, we talked about that. Uh, what's a dishwasher? Was somebody um, made a great observation? Kids, some kids may not know what a dishwasher is. That's important, and that can come out in the discussion. That alters the way you solve an entire problem by having that conversation. Um, the second step: reveal the question stem. But I'm going to, I'm going to either leave the numbers redacted or if they were pronouns, switch them to just redacted numbers. So I want them to know the numbers there, but um, um, sorry, squirrel. Uh, I know that the numbers are there, but you can't see them yet. And the reason is I want them to focus now on what the problem's asking. I want them to understand that what's the question really trying to get at before they dig into the numbers. Uh, next one, I'm going to remove all the redactions. And now you can focus on key information and determining a plan. And then this last one, um, if you want, I would take the original problem, make it as the um, fourth slide and let them go even deeper. What else could they answer? What else could we do? Um, and basically get the kids to solve it and then justify their answer. Tell me why this still works. Um, some other things people put in is guessing. What do you think works? Um, so there's some lot. There's lots of different ways, and Brian goes into several different ways. I'm going to admit that I'm kind of narrow in the way I do mine because I have an end goal in mind. Um. All right. Asynchronous time. Um. I don't know if asynchronous is as is a bad a word in your wherever you're at as it is in my area, but I'm pretty sure I was going to get beat up in the parking lot twice for doing an asynchronous session. Thank goodness it was virtual. So um, I think we're tired of it. We're definitely tired of all the Zooms and all the 
you know, staring at black screens and things like that. But I'm going to have to do it for today. So I'm going to go ahead and share with you a bunch of free things um, that we built at Region 11 uh, to support this. Uh, uh, they're free. Uh, they're by no means comprehensive. Uh, they're just a sample of exemplars that go over different grades. And if you're in front, if you're from Texas, they are aligned to our standards. Um, if you are from outside of Texas, say in the United States, and you're a Common Core state, um, they are similar-ish. But like I said before, if you're what might be in seventh grade in Texas may fall in sixth or eighth grade, depending on um, your um, state standards. Uh, this is a list, and all of these are on that list of links page uh, that you can get to from the folder. We had to plan and support our teachers for hybrid situations. So uh, we had to give them a synchronous um, version of stuff and then an asynchronous. And the way I did it is I built everything synchronously on Google Slides and then migrated it over to Desmos Activity Builder and essentially asked the same questions I would have if they were face-to-face -face or are synchronous. And I asked it um, asynchronously. Uh, there's not a lot of variation there. Uh, the questions are, are the same. The redactions are the same. But all of these are basically for you to just sample just to give kind of like, uh, this is what it really is. Uh, we tried to give SAT prep, which I was very pleased to find some really good um, free questions that we could use. So you are more than welcome to take this, um, take this, use this in a class. And if anybody asks you where you got it, just tell them the guy looks like Brad Pitt and we're all good. I can't hear you laughing, but I can. I know you're laughing. That's okay. That's my one joke of the day. Um, as far as uh, using this and crediting, you are welcome to use any of this. And this one is serious, but actually a joke. Um, we work in a profession that is entirely dependent on the theft of intellectual property. We see something we like in one classroom. We take it to our classroom change the font and use it ourselves. It's an entire industry that we've done. I, don't, I would hope that you could find something that you would use. Um, a lot of this stuff is tends to be formulaic, but that's by design because I want it easily reproducible. All right. So again, these links are on, the, on that bit.ly that you see on the screen, also on the chat box. The sticker is not there anymore. I'm going to put it back up there uh, for the folder. So it's up there as well. Uh, you can uh, um, copy the bit.ly link and then put it in your URL search bar and you have that list of links page as well as the presentation. And on the presentation itself, all of these links are um, uh, searchable so you can click on them and it'll take you right there. Uh, the Desmos activities, uh, I think if you saw on Desmos today, I put on the Desmos um, educators Facebook page, I put these out there. So they've been out there, you're welcome to them ask questions on them, copy them, paste them, do what you like. 
it's there for a reason. So I'm going to go past teacher.desmos.com because I think we got it. And now we did the teacher portion. All right. So I'm going to ask the first round of questions. So what do you think about numberless word problems? If you want to, in your chat, go ahead and just ask some, if you have a question or a clarification, or quite frankly, this is crazy and my kids would never get it, share it out. I'm good. Oh, John, that's a great question. Um, how long it takes. Um, if you um, do it right with turn and talks and in the discussion cycle, it should take about 10 minutes. Now, uh, let's see. I think they're definitely a great entry point for my – yes. Uh, and, and to be honest, Bonnie, all learners are good learners. It's the reluctance that can, that can hold them back. So any opportunity I can to get more kids involved, I wish. Oh, okay. Brian brought up a very good point, and I'm glad you did, Brian. Brian, if you look at Brian Bushart's um, – numberless word problem problems, there's a lot more slides than what I use. I only use three, and then the fourth one is the full problem, and there's a reason. I see numberless word problems as the beginning to teaching my kids three reads. Three reads is, uh, for those of you who haven't, um, where uh, I believe it's um, uh, Resources for Reasoning, I think is the book that it comes from. Um, when I sat down and had this all out, it was originally my presentation and I took it out because I didn't think I would be this, I would be going this fast. Um, but the first read is uh, talking about, is asking the students to look at the scenario. The second read is asking them to look at the question. And the third read is asking them to look at the numbers, the values, operators, key phrases, things of that nature. Sound familiar? Three reads is the end product. Numberless word problems, in my mind, as a student, as a teacher action, uh, we run the show. We make the slides. We redact the numbers. Kids can't progress naturally. Three reads is a problem-solving strategy that students can use on word problems to empower themselves to muscle through a problem that they're struggling on. I see numberless word problems in three reads as they work together. Numberless word problems is what I would be doing at the start of the year to try to foster them to get to three reads by the end. Uh, thank you all of, for everyone putting Routines for Reasoning, um, the link on there. It is a great book. Three reads is just one of many of the um, of routines that it has. But for me, I, want, I wanted my kids to get to that point where they could do, look at an entire word problem that they're not really getting and have that power and that empowerment to be able to solve it. So for me, um, I structure my numberless word problems in a way that I'm moving them to get to three reads on their own. Does that make sense? So for me, numberless word problems is what I would be doing 
at the beginning and structure it that way. And then I would work along the go. And then whenever I see, and as my kids move to three reads, if I see that they particularly struggle, I have a natural built-in strategy to remediate them down on how to do this. So if they're struggling, if they see, if you give them the whole word problem and they can't just only look at the scenario, then I'll give them slide two from a numberless word problem where I give them the scenario and give them the question stem and see if they can give me that. I would just basically step and dial it down. For me, introducing co harder concepts uh, with um, numberless word problems is great. But when they get to that big test and they're in there by themselves, a numberless word problem is great, but it's not going to help them themselves. So for me, um, I want to combine the two. I want to take numberless word problems and put it in with three reads and have that be the natural progression. So at the beginning of the year, numberless word problems at the end of the year, they're strong. They feel comfortable. Um, they can do it. They can do the pieces themselves. They predict uh, what's coming next on the numberless word. They're ready to go. So there, there's a lot of good um, symmetry working there uh, between numberless word problems and three reads. And if, you know, for me, that's the goal. For the, so if you look at all of my material, you could literally say this is really three reads. Uh, it's it's very set up, cut, dry that way. So, and that's why I don't, I want to make sure that if you want to see more versions of this for, for discussion, definitely I want you to look at um, uh, Mr. Bushard's stuff. I think it's awesome. Uh, there's some other uh, sources out there, that's this, but this one is kind of geared. I'm gearing it to three reads. So. That's a me thing. Um, are there any other questions? Uh, three reads. Um, yes. If you, um, Manu, if you uh, look up three reads on the, if you look at the internet, you can get kind of a good synopsis of what three reads is. But if I tell you that routines for reasoning is an excellent book and it goes in great detail. Plus there's some videos of the routines actually being used in class, which is, it's always a help. Um, uh, questions. And let's see, I have, uh, See if I get. Um, do I do these number talk problems? Um, getting, I'm struggling on the context of that question. I think they're thinking about um, number talks where students talk about how they would solve it, and um, if there's more than one method to solve it. Visually talk, like basically talking about the problem rather than having them write things down. Um, combination, yes. Uh, we definitely want to talk. We want to share. Um, my favorite part is when we do the solution step is to show two different ways um, so that they can see that there's a variety of ways to solve a problem. Uh, I think one of the biggest myths about mathematics in general is there's only one way to do a problem. Uh, like uh, even the problem before what well, we had up there before um, uh, the the and I, forgive me for not remembering your name. She said that she didn't like any of the choices because she's she likes tables, and I'm okay with that. Um, uh, Nine forty nineteen. You mentioned you taught at all different levels. Yes, uh, I taught um, in one class once. I taught seventeen year old, no, eighteen year old eighth graders and twelve year old geometry students. One room. Fun times. Uh, great. It was an awesome, awesome time. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, I've taught for me, I was, a. 
I'm an old football and wrestling coach. So they, so the schools I worked in like to put me in situations where I can um, ha- exert a little bit more presence control um, in classroom management. So I tended to get a few more of the rougher kids, um, low performing remedial um, kids who really didn't like math and wanted to let me know about it constantly. Um, but to be honest with you, uh, this is where I would gravitate to all of these types of activities just to get them to be doing math, but never realize they were doing math until they were so deep in the problem that I've got to solve it. Uh, that was kind of the fun part. Uh, I had more fun. I, I won't lie. I had more fun working with um, uh, remedial students, uh, kids who were who had failed the state test and needed to take it again and again. And I had more fun with them than I did with um the honor students because because they it was always fun to see them just suddenly go I, I kind of like math class and that was like I geeked out on that that's my why um uh can you incorporate the idea of coming up with low medium high estimates for this um oh based on uh their computation and what they say uh so I'm looking at uh, low, medium, high as basically I would have a rubric of some sort to determine their strategies on how they used it or what they said um, in the discussion phase. Uh, in the in the asynchronous phase, it would be definitely easy to see um, if they they have it. So um, I could see incorporating it. I just don't know how I could say it directly right now. Um, See any more questions? Um, any? Do you have any more questions about the resources or um, what you can think? This is a this is a first for me. Normally, I usually gab a lot, and I I have like 80, 80 hours worth of stuff for a one hour presentation. So I should probably let my boss know that she did a good job thinning the um, content. Uh, if you, uh, I do have a, p- a part where we could talk about actually how to make your own, um, if that would be something you'd like to see. Okay. All right. So I won't, I'm going to go here. So when, let me go back to sharing my screen. So the numberless word problems that I built, um, uh, I usually use Google Slides. And I tend to go real, real simple on it. Um, So when I look at the original problem, and there's two ways to do it. Uh, so let's say we're looking at this problem right here. Some doctors recommend that men drink three waters, liters of water every day. There are approximately 29.6 milliliters in one fluid ounce. Um, which measurement is closest to the number of fluid ounces in three liters? So right now you need to think, like, what are the things that would trip these kiddos up? Um, 
what could we do? There's the short version of this, which is I'm going to block out the numbers like I did on this one and block out the stem. That's the three reads version because it's very direct. I'm going to I'm going to open the question stem and then I'm going to show the numbers. That's three reads. That would be the end product. But let's say we want to go ahead and do something a little bit more. Uh, uh, we want to enhance the conversation. So I would duplicate the slide, go here, crop the image to get rid of this, expand it a little bit so it's a little bit better. I retype it maybe if I have to. And now I'm going to go ahead and look at, like, what do I want to see? What do I want them to see? I don't want them to see the final question, so I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and add that shape here and just block out, just redact it. And I'm going to likewise redact the numbers. And that's the simple version if I redact the numbers. What you can do is what if you redact the measure as well? So now all they're getting is this. Then the next slide, we start we start giving them information back. So they know now it's leaders. They know now that it's milliliters. And just to make it easy on myself, I know it's something fluid ounce. And then you can give them the question like, what's a guess? What is some appropriate numbers we can use? We can give them pieces of the numbers back, slide after slide, or we can give them all the numbers. It's kind of, it's kind of open-ended. It's kind of what you want. Um, depends on the level. I will say this about numberless word problems, and, and this might have to go to the level. How many of you have those kids that answer the question almost immediately after you ask it? If you want to do a hand raise or a uh, emoji or just a yes that in the chat, you're, you're welcome to it. Um, so you ask the question, and before you almost as you finish the last um, sentence, the kiddo has the answer and blurts it out. It's frustrating because you don't want to tell a kid no, but you want them to actually wait. That's the nice thing about numberless word problems is that they can't answer the question yet. All they have is what you've given them to answer it. So they're going to they're going to come out with their ideas, but now is when you can go to the other kiddos because if I give you this question, um, let's say we're looking at this one right here, where some doctors recommend that men drink water, 
every day. There are approximately bloom. I can say, well, what do you think it is? And the students would now have, it's an opinion-based answer. So all those kids who are math trauma patients who kind of worry about being good at math can now participate on equal footing with our rock stars. And that's really what we need. We, if we're trying to do a discourse, we need to get them talking long enough until the kiddos who naturally just are good at this. And I'm not saying that everybody, that there are kids that are good and the kids that are bad. There are kids that just speak this language naturally. It's how they process and think. We have to slow them down without ruining their joy. We have kids who are convinced that math is against them. We have to give them joy without triggering their regret or their angst. So I can ask this question. My high flyers are stuck because they can't answer it. They're just going to tell me the scenario. Don't steal the struggle. Excellent. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, and the and the kiddos that need that support, and they're still on equal footing. They're going to answer it. So for me, that's as, that, that's as easy as it has to be. So let's say we had we have a bank of um, of uh, pro, uh, word tasks. I think uh, one of the persons in the des in the in Desmos activity said they don't like word problem. They like word tasks, and I agree. Uh, they have some word tasks. And we want to introduce them into it. We're going to use one of them. Once we get the the basic plan down, we can work them on. So, like, let's. So we can you can use this as another tool to get them started. Now, uh, might there be variables for those kids to explain that through? Yes, you can switch it to variables. Um, uh, my experience is. A redaction is as good as a variable because it's like, I can't see. Um, and to be honest with you, the lower performing students that I've worked with on this, they prefer the redactions over variables. Yes, I agree. They scare them. You know, where where our high flyers would see a variable that may as well be the uh, redacted spot, the, our, our struggling students, they need, they, they are more comfortable with, I can't see it because it's covered up, so I'm going to try it. Um, likewise, it don't, if you, if you are going to introduce a fraction in a word problem, please redact it first, <laughs> at least get them five minutes into the problem and then go, oh, by the way, um, I don't know about you, but my low, my, um, struggling students always, um, regretted fractions and they never, ever skip the opportunity to tell me, um, um, to be honest with you, the advanced honors classes, the same exact um, way, it, except that when I said what problems you could ask, that took a while. They really explored it. Um, nine times out of 10, uh, the questions that they could come up with when I said, um, uh, what questions could you ask? Because I had it redacted. Nine times out of 10, the, what they asked was way harder than what the problem was. Uh, it, so much so that I was, I usually sit back and take a few notes like, oh, okay, we can do that one later. I got you. So, um, it is more, you, you think about it, it does fit into a GT gifted, um, type strategy of a lot of discussion and imagination prediction. Uh, 
Likewise, that question of what numbers could we go in here uh, is a great one to ask as well. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, high flyers go straight for the numbers and never even re realize there are any words. Um, and to be honest with you, that was my goal. Uh, when I saw this and I was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. Um, yeah, I wanted to slow them down. Uh, because smell the roses along the way, because usually they're so they're so number centric. Um, they miss the thing like that very first problem that we did. They would see the numbers and may not ever pick out varies directly. So um, number pluckers. Yeah. Oh, oh, we had a long conversation at number pluckers once. That was that was an interesting conversation. I had to be told what it was first, and then I go, oh, that makes sense. Um, let's see. It is uh, 8.54. Are there um, any crazy, interesting questions um, that you guys would like to ask before we um, kind of step away from this? Um, problem solvers. Uh, which is kind of along the lines is why I really want to try to move towards uh, uh, three reads because that's a problem solving strategy. That's um, kids empowered to, to to tackle problems themselves. Ah, uh, yes, that's a great point, Brandon. Uh, are high flyers just answer getters, or are they conceptually sound? Um, there are some holes that usually can pop up there. So now I want you to go back and look at our original question here. When I asked you this question, you told me all of those issues that you see your students. Would an activity like numberless word problems address some of your concerns? And that really is the, the big question. Uh, so right now, I want if you can remember what you typed in, um, a simple yes or no, or a maybe. Um, put it in here real quick, and uh, let me see what you think. Does does numberless the uh, discussion task like numberless word problems help what you identified as a problem? Admission right there. Um, to be honest with you, um, whenever we go to PDs, if we can come up with one thing that would help our kiddos, then by all means, take it, steal it. Remember that Brad Pitt thing? Um, I, I would like to go ahead and continue the conversation. Uh, Region 11 does produce um, a lot of materials. Uh, well, more now. Uh, especially we have resources for K through 5. Uh, workshop model stuff. Um, we have a lovely Desmos page that um, we just basically compiled and um, we go standard by standard in Texas for sixth grade through uh, pre-calculus uh, and also some augmented formula charts. Uh, you can, uh, my email address is here. You can follow me on Twitter at Minecraft Math and by all means, everything my work do, my boss says has to go on the website, so I put it there. Um, I want to say thank you so much for um, sharing uh, sharing some time with me and allowing me to share numberless word problems with you. And if you ever have any questions before you go to and pay money, like at places like Teacher Pay Teacher, um, feel free to hit me up and see if I got something for free.
because my job is to make your life easier one Sunday evening at a time. All right, thank you very much, David. Um, you definitely shared a lot for us to think about and uh, it, was, it was great to have you here tonight. Um, just wanted to let people know uh, what's on tap for our next session. Um, our next session is going to be uh, the people from Public Math. Uh, Chris Snow, Molly Daly, and Christopher Danielson are going to be talking about Public Math Pop-Up, Mathematize Your Kitchen. It's a general audience session, um, and that's going to be taking place on April 6th, so a week from today. Um, in addition, we are looking for Global Math Department webinar attendees to share how the Global Math Department has impacted their work in their classrooms. The webinar will have approximately four presenters sharing for 10 to 15 minutes each. We're interested in hearing from people that attend the webinar live, watch the recording, or listen to the podcast. Consider sharing with us for this special session on June 29th of this year. If you're interested, you can email us at globalmathdepartment at gmail.com, or you can fill out uh, this link that I just put into the chat. Um, thank you, everyone, for being here tonight. If you have any ideas for potential speakers, you can email us or have them email us at globalmathdepartment at gmail.com. I look forward to seeing many of you at our next webinar. Good night, everyone. <laughs>